You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. First playoff game since 2003, and the Marlins pick up a win. I'm still riding high after that one. I wanted to get straight to the booth here and get a podcast out for you because, I mean, what a game. I, the Marlins did a lot of things wrong, and, and I'm going to start with the bad so that I can go into the good and really end on a high note because the fact that the Marlins won despite all of their mistakes might be actually a good thing in a weird, twisted way, though they need to rectify some of those mistakes. This team has been really good with two outs, we know that. At times, had been really good with runners in scoring position, but today, up until the Corey Dickerson home run, they were 0 for 8. And the two things that really stood out to me, and I'm sure they stood out to you, were the Chad Wallach bunt, then deciding not to bunt with one strike, and rolling into a double play there against a perennial ground ball pitcher, one of the best ground ball pitchers, and your hitter that typically doesn't hit the ball in the air too often and is maybe the slowest runner on the team, has all the makings of a reason to bunt. I know Wallach's not a great bunter. I know that the first attempt wasn't great, but still, at that point, I'm willing to have the risk of him striking out, trying to bunt, than the risk of him rolling into a double play because the repercussions are lesser and I think there's a better chance that he can still lay down the bunt than striking out or at least a coin flip. And I'll take that with the alternative being, you know, less bad in terms of the repercussions. I really was frustrated with that move. And then maybe the most frustrating at bat for me was the Corey, or not the Corey Dickerson, excuse me. He's the hero today. The Garrett Cooper at bat where Garrett Cooper rolled over to third base with the tying run on third and on the first pitch of the at-bat, it was a curveball, and he just swings on his front foot, rolls over it. you, you got to be having a thought there. And if your thought is, I want to lift the ball in the air to get this guy home, or even just hit it up the middle, a ground ball up the middle would have got the job done, the infield was playing back, that has to be the one thing you're trying not to do, is not roll it over to third. That's the one place you can't hit it. And I think Chipper Jones even said that. So those two things were definitely frustrating. 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position up till that Dickerson home run. Sandy Alcantara was falling behind hitters more than he more than he was getting ahead of them, and he still was able to battle. And that's the thing. Sandy did not have his best stuff today, and he still gave the Marlins the best chance to win this ballgame, only giving up the one run on a solo shot that got out similar to Dickerson's because both balls were hit hard, but the wind was really howling out there, and the ball was carrying well, and those baskets just seemed to snatch up any line drives that looked like they might go off the top of the wall. Dickerson's had a little bit more on it. Haps was very borderline there, only 90-something off the bat. But the fact that one Dickerson, I tweeted this, but Dickerson was able to make those adjustments at bat to at bat, right? That's the value of having a veteran. And that's the difference between Dickerson and like a guy like Anderson right now. While Brian Anderson maybe a little bit more productive, at least this season. Dickerson has been better at making those adjustments. I was very happy with the final at-bat we saw from Anderson where he drove it deep to center field, but Anderson was making the same mistakes at-bat after at-bat against Hendricks. He was also showing some bad body language. You know, when I see it, if I'm Kyle Hendricks, who's a very cerebral pitcher, who reads body language and definitely plays off of that, Anderson was sitting up there shaking his head 
after swinging at the first pitch and missing, and an 0-1 count. You knew he was defeated at that at-bat. And if you give a pitcher like Kyle Hendricks that, they feed off of that. And I think that's exactly what Hendricks did, and he just continued to go right after Anderson. I think Anderson will be fine. I was happy that he had a good swing at the end there. But the fact that Dickerson is able to adjust from those first two at-bats, come into the third at-bat with a plan, it was clearly his plan to catch the ball deep and hit it the other way. And he got all of it given what he was trying to do. And that is just the value of a veteran there who came up big. I've been critical of Dickerson at times, definitely, and he's been hot and cold. But you know that he's going to be an integral part of this team in the postseason if they're going to try and make a run because, one, we know how good he can be when he's going well. And, two, he is as advanced of a hitter in terms of approach and adjustment-wise as you'll see when things are going right for him and when he's comfortable in whatever position he's in in the lineup. And so Dickerson... Cannot say enough about what he was able to do to come through with with, with the Marlins behind at that point. A three-run shot, I mean, just absolutely clutch. And the fact that the Marlins won this game, despite all of the struggles and all of the miscues, Dickerson really just bailed them out. But then Aguilar goes yard the other way, another one that caught the wind a little bit. And just all around, the fact that Sandy was able to battle, that's the true makings of an ace. A guy that can give you a chance to win even when his stuff is a little bit off, even when his command is a little bit off. He was falling behind more hitters than he was getting ahead of, and he was still able to compete. I am so impressed by Sandy Alcantara. And for those of you that listen and are not on Twitter, I had mentioned going into today's start, 15 of his last 17 starts dating back to last season, he had gone at least six innings across those 17 starts. He had an ERA right around 2.8. Now, that's 16 out of 18 starts that he has gone at least six innings, and that ERA dropped even more. Sandy has the makings right now. Those numbers over the last 18 starts now would be right in the line with the top 10 pitchers in the game. I don't think anybody has a higher percentage of frequency of going at least six innings. I can't really find a way to verify that statistic, but I have looked at Garrett Cole, I have looked at Shane Bieber, and I have looked at Jacob deGrom, and all three of them have not been as consistent going at least six innings. None of them are remotely close to the 90, near 90% rate that Sandy Alcantara is pitching at least six innings of his starts. That is just an absolutely incredible stat, and that is something that's huge in a season like this when you're trying to preserve the bullpen. The Marlins barely had to go to their bullpen today. Richard Blyer only threw like one pitch, and then Yimmy Garcia, a low-stress inning. Brandon Kinsler, a pretty low-stress inning, and both should be ready to go tomorrow. Of course, the huge elephant in the room right now is Starling Marte. I hope that Starling Marte is okay, and I mean, that's the only reason why I'm not jumping off the walls right now. It took a little bit of the wind out of my sails, for sure. I think it did for everybody. When you're riding so high, then your best player, you know, your most experienced and your best offensive player is potentially knocked out of the postseason. I'm not going to assume the worst yet. He had gotten hit, as Eli Sussman pointed out, from fist stripes on the fist stripes account. He had a similar pitch that hit him back in 2018. He only missed two games. So maybe he's got some extra strong bones. Maybe he's drinking extra milk. Look, Marte's built like a big guy, but your hand doesn't really have any more muscle than the average person. That being said, bone density, so many crazy things come into effect. The pitch velocity was not ridiculous for a reliever. I believe it was in the low 90s. And look, I I was sitting there watching the video over and over again, trying to come up with ways that Marte is definitely going to be okay. But honestly, we don't know. And I can watch the video a million times, and I'm not going to come away with anything more than I knew before. 
and I can stare at Marte and pretend like his hands are different than anybody else's. But the thing is, is that they break easily when you're hit like that. It did seem like he was moving his hand off the bat a little bit, and it did seem like he got a little bit of the knob. So, you know, we'll hope. Don't don't expect the worst right away. I'm always a guy that's like, I'm not going to panic until it's time to panic. And look, the Marlins definitely would be hurting badly without Marte. You'd probably have to go to Brinson into the outfield there. And, you know, that's obviously a steep drop-off offensively, even when Brinson's going well. The good news is if Marte is just missing a couple games, and let's assume he misses tomorrow, that will be a tough matchup for Brinson out there. But then against the lefty in John Lester, that's a game that you want to have Brinson out there anyways. Would he be in there for Marte? No. But he is an offensive upgrade over Joyce in terms of the lefty-lefty matchup there. And while Joyce might have to be in the lineup that day, it's still a little bit more of a pickup that Brinson will be going against a lefty. But it's a lot of justification and a lot of... uh, It's a big pill to swallow right now, for sure. And that's definitely going to be something that we'll have to address when it comes comes around. And I'm sure the x-rays will be done quickly and there'll be a quick turnaround and we'll probably know what's going on by this evening. So let's hope for the best news there. Sandy Alcantara all around to wrap up just looked really good in terms of just being able to battle, being able to get the ground balls when he needed to, pitching the contact. And yeah, I got nervous here and there with the way the ball was carrying at times, but all the fly balls that he got were very much just straight up in the air. It didn't seem like anybody was really putting charges into balls. Not that many balls were hit that hard. He was able to get a lot of weak contact and a lot of swing and misses on fastballs or sinkers in the zone, which I really like to see. That means his stuff is definitely alive right now, which we know, as he has said, They're not ready for my stuff about the Yankees. He kind of echoed the same thing about the Cubs. And I will say he's got a little bit of an ace attitude to him right now, which which I don't mind. I I actually love it. I love that little chip on his shoulder. Though when Mattingly took the ball from him again, just like last start, he looked pretty livid. And, you know, you don't want to see him that mad. I understand the emotion of it and everything, but he took like a turn away from Mattingly and walked around the mound and was shaking his head to the dugout. You hope it was just a short-term frustration because he wasn't able to finish the inning, and that's not something that lingers. I know Mattingly's a player's coach, and I know Sandy Alcantara is just a competitor out there, uh, but, you know, you want a guy out there that wants to stay in until you have to force him off the mound. So not a bad thing by any means, but we haven't seen that much emotion from Sandy before and I think he's gaining this confidence he's gaining this edge to him where he thinks every night when he goes out there every day when he goes out there that he's got a shot to shut a team down and if he doesn't it's a disappointment and that's really just been fun to watch and it's been a blast to see Sandy just really develop before our eyes I'm going to talk a little bit about the next two games, especially tomorrow with the Marlins pitching matchup of Yu Darvish and Sixto Sanchez. First, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Indeed. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only have to pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. There are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they've had for over 3 million 
businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners $75 in free credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and they'll see it fast. Try Indeed out with $75 in free credit at Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So that's today, your last chance to register with Indeed for that $75 credit. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the rest of this series here because there are some interesting moving parts to the final two games. The Marlins definitely have the edge in the potential game three with a John Lester start versus probably Pablo Lopez, actually definitely Pablo Lopez, probably John Lester. I don't know if maybe they decide in a decisive game three that they want to do something else or short-leashed John Lester with the bullpen going. We'll see what the Cubs do. It's not John Madden anymore. It's David Ross. David Ross seems a little bit more traditional. John Madden, I would have been open to anything potentially happening, might be a little bit different. And with Ross being Lester's guy, I'd assume that Lester gets the ball in game three. That would be better for the Marlins because I think a Pablo versus Lester start, it's advantage Marlins. But tomorrow, there's no doubt that it is advantage Cubs. And I love Sixto Sanchez, but he's 22 years old. He's coming off of a couple of difficult starts where he was able to manage at the end and settle in a little bit. But still, I mean, in a playoff game, He'd probably be yanked before he even has a chance to settle in if it was the last couple ball games. If he pitches like that, he's not really going to get a chance like that. So if you struggle, you're probably going to be on a shorter leash, and the Marlins can't really afford that. You don't want to see that. So we'll see how Sixto does. The reality is the Cubs have a lot of good right-handed hitters, even though some of them have been struggling, like Javi Baez, who put some good swings on balls today. I will say he picked up that hit, but even the balls that he was hitting foul, some of the outs were just missed. Javi Baez makes me a little bit nervous going into the next ball game. Power versus power. I don't think he'll have a problem catching up to Sixto. Sixto's just going to have to mix it up well on him. Chris Bryant looks like a shell of himself right now. And look, that's good for the Marlins, but it has been tough seeing Chris Bryant struggle this much all year. Obviously, Yu Darvish is one of the potential Cy Young candidates. I think it's going to go to Trevor Bauer, who was just absolutely phenomenal today doing the tomahawk chop as, as he walked off the field. Loved to see that. And Darvish struggled a little bit, subjectively struggled. I mean, I, I, we're being very critical here of you, Darvish. But going into the last five starts, he had an ERA of 1.44. So we're talking about a guy that probably was the favorite at that point to win the Cy Young. He only gave up 17 earned runs all season in 76 innings. But the interesting thing is, In four of his last five games, he gave up a combined total of nine earned runs. So more than half of his earned runs on the season came in just four starts. That is maybe a little bit encouraging for the Marlins in terms of the fact that he may have been regressing a little bit, might have been slowing down a little bit, but also it was against some teams that had already seen him, and it was against a really good Twins lineup as well, which was probably his toughest start of the year. Yu Darvish is not going to be easy, but the Marlins seem to find a way Kyle Hendricks was not easy today, and Hendricks was on, definitely. I mean, he was on, and he had the two walks, which is a little uncharacteristic of him, but he was just painting corners. He was mixing things up. He threw four straight changes, maybe five straight changes to Matt Joyce, which is just unfair. That's just frustrating. Yeah, if you're Matt Joyce as a left-handed hitter who is known to be a fastball hitter, you should probably be expecting a couple change-ups in a row, but five, that's just insane. But Hendricks has no fear of throwing any pitch in any count. Understandably, the Marlins don't have too much experience against Yu Darvish as a ball club. Really, the only guy with 
a track record, and albeit a very limited track record, of success against Darvish is Corey Dickerson, who's 5 for 13. It's a 385 clip with a home run and a pair of doubles against Darvish, only two strikeouts. So definitely a guy that Dickerson's comfortable against because he's very specific like that. There's certain guys, if Dickerson's not good against a certain pitcher, you can almost pencil him in for an offer. But if he's good against a pitcher, you can really see it come out. And yeah, you could say that about anybody, but with Dickerson, it seems to hold true more than anybody in terms of being able to predict what he's going to do against certain guys. So that will be huge for the Marlins if Dickerson can just run into a baseball in tomorrow's game. Marte had seen him the second most other than Matt Joyce. Joyce, who may have to be in the lineup again tomorrow, and I know how a lot of fans feel about that, though. I thought Joyce put together some decent at-bats today. He did pick up the walk, and he did go deep into a lot of counts. But Joyce is just one for 15 with seven strikeouts in his career against Darvish, so definitely a mismatch there. We'll see what the Marlins decide to do, because I don't know if you're going to go to Monte Harrison in that situation. I think the Marlins should consider going to Magnera Sierra there, because 15 at-bats... Seven strikeouts is enough of a sample size for me to say, okay, Matt Joyce struggles against this guy enough to maybe keep him out of the lineup. And keep in mind, you Darvish has only gotten better adding a new pitch and really has honed in on his stuff this year to put together the best season. I know abbreviated, but the best we've seen him in a long time, maybe ever. So it's only going to be more difficult for Matt Joyce. I would think that Magnera Sierra would be a good option in tomorrow's lineup. Marte had 11 at-bats against him with some success as well, four hits, but I'm going to assume even if his hand isn't broken that he probably will not be in the lineup tomorrow, but you never know. Anderson 0 for 7 in his career against Darvish, and Anderson had a tough day today as we talked about earlier, so definitely not an ideal matchup for Andy who's trying to get going, though again, I, I will say I was encouraged by that final swing out to center field. Driving it deep to center field is a sign that you're putting a good swing on the ball, so maybe he figured things out, and it's got to, at the very least, got to be a little bit of a confidence boost after really struggling to even make contact or foul balls off to put a charge into one to dead center, so that's definitely encouraging. Obviously, the Cubs have never seen Sixto Sanchez, which bodes well for him, as the first time he faces a team, he seems to be much better than the second time. He's the type of pitcher where He has not really figured himself out totally yet with his command and with his stuff and when to use his stuff and how to use his stuff. So when a team sees him after one time, they can kind of game plan a little bit better for game two. I think the Cubs will definitely have a better game plan than most teams we saw this year, being that they're going to have more tape and more information on him and more struggles that they can look at to see when he's going well, what he looks like, and when he's going bad, what he looks like and what to key on and what teams did when they were able to get to him. That's going to be a challenge for him, obviously. And this is going to be a tough, tough start for Sixto. But 22 years old, he definitely is not afraid of the big stage. And look, I could easily see him rising to the occasion. I'm just a little bit nervous as a 22-year-old who's coming off maybe the worst start of his career or one of the worst starts of his short career to now go straight into a postseason game at Wrigley. Yes, no fans, but still at Wrigley in the potential chance to send the Marlins to the next round. Maybe there's a little bit less pressure because the Marlins have a game to lose here, but you don't want it to go to a decisive game three on the road. I'm going to say that I have confidence in the fact that Sixto will battle out there. I have the confidence that he will be able to compete. But the problem with Sixto right now is that he'll make a mistake here and there, even when he's on. And if the Cubs run into a couple baseballs, even two solo shots, two runs is going to be a tall task against you, Darvish. That's why I think the lineup is going to be really important. You're going to need guys that are speedy like Sierra. You're going to need guys like John Birdie wreaking havoc on the basics. Bases, excuse me. Two stolen bases today. Birdie was great. 
Sierra, not a great base stealer, but a fast guy that can make things happen. And that's what the Marlins are probably going to need tomorrow. They're going to need to just be pesky. They're going to need to bunt potentially and do all the little things and play small ball. And I can promise you they are not going to get away with going 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. If it does go to a game three, though, I have a ton of confidence in Pablo Lopez, who is just really locked back in against a struggling and aging John Lester. Overall, though, what a performance by the fish. Veterans are the ones that get it done today. Really, just the fact that Corey Dickerson was able to come through with that beautiful swing the other way. Aguilar was able to tack on some extra runs. Marlins played good defense all around besides that one botched double play. Birdie should have turned it a little bit better and definitely should have seen Cooper catch that ball. But again, Brandon Kinsler comes in, gave up the double, but then shuts the door and for, for an aging guy that I was definitely saying, you know, his velocity's down, he's slowing down and all that stuff, he has really come on strong at the end here. And Brandon Kinsler looks like he should be on the cover of a Just For Men box or a Just For Men commercial. Meanwhile, he's still going out there and just getting guys out. Was among the league leaders in saves, has been really good consistently and has not given up a run now And I believe nine straight innings, maybe 10 at this point which is just a great streak and getting hot at the right time. Yimmy Garcia looked good as well. And as I mentioned earlier, all of them should be fresh. So the bullpen, not taxed in this one. And the lineup started to come out in the later innings, but they still hit the ball all right. You know, they were able to get guys on base and get guys in scoring position. So that was what was even more frustrating. So at least the offense wasn't cold. And at least the Marlins were able to finally scratch for some runs. We'll see how they fare against Darvish tomorrow. I will say that they need to work that pitch count up and hopefully get Darvish out of that ball game as soon as possible. But we know you has a propensity for going deep into games. We'll see what the Marlins can do tomorrow with a chance to advance to the next round. Who would have thought such a massive win in a three-game series really just all the momentum shifts your way, though it's going to be tough playing against a team that is playing with desperation at home with their ace on the mound. The beautiful thing is the Marlins have one to give. You don't want to give it, but if they do, they got one to give, and it's just like a new series all over again with advantage slanted to the Marlins. Let's hope that Starling Marte is okay. I know this was a little bit of a rushed episode, but I wanted to get this out after the ball game. Definitely excited about what the Marlins were able to do today despite some struggles And the fact that they still find ways to win, that's what it's all about. We'll see if Sixto can dial it in tomorrow. And that would just be legendary to see this kid bounce back and recapture that early season form or that early season for him, his form there, and put together a dominant outing in the postseason. That would be something that Sixto could really build off of into the rest of this postseason and into the future. We know how good he will be down the line. And we'll remember... Remember when Sixto Sanchez pitched in his rookie season in that playoff game at Wrigley Field? It would be cool to be able to remember that in a positive way. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking Marlins playoff baseball with you tomorrow. A lot more coming up and a lot more to be talked about. If you want anything to be discussed on the show, any questions you have in the future, feel free to tweet at me at LockedOnMarlins or at RMLateNate, and I'm happy to answer any of those questions. I always love talking about whatever you want me to talk about and answering some of those tough questions that some Marlins fans ask because there are a lot of debates and discussions to be had, especially with the lineups and roster in the postseason. If you get a chance, if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking Marlins playoff baseball with you tomorrow.